what can we learn from our Lutheran forefathers on how to face the challenges of a culture openly hostile to Christianity? Pastor Matt Harrison, president of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, has written a column for the latest Issues Etc. journal titled For Such a Time as This. We'll send it to you for free. Just click the red journal subscription button in the right-hand column at issuesetc.org. You'll also find Pastor Will Whedon's article on the monthly Psalter, the free online Issues Etc. journal, issuesetc.org. have feedback from our listeners on some recent interviews, one with Molly Hemingway going into the midterm elections, another with Andrew Walker on Christian nationalism, and some response to one of Pastor Brian Wolfmiller's uh, answers to an unanswered question regarding creation science. It's time to go through listener email and the Issues Etc. comment line. I'm Todd Wilkin. This is Issues Etc. Did you vote today? I did. I went to two polling places. Like They keep switching me back and forth. I so, thought, you, thought you were going to say you tried to vote twice. Well, no. But uh, I went to the first place where I had gone last time after being sent there from my previous place. And they said, no, you're back at the other place. So they were only, they were only like a mile apart. So. You know, you could probably go to your county. That's how I found out where, because I get shuffled around every two years. You can go online, Wilkin, and tap yeah, in your address. And- <laughs> I'm too lazy to do that. I just I, I just figured I'd go to the Baptist church and if and if they if I couldn't vote there they'd send me back to the other place. So I go and they say, "Are you Justin Schwartz, which is the oldest of the Schwartz five children?" I said, "No, he he lives in Chicago." So on my way out, I texted Justin and say, "Hey, if you leave now, it's like one forty-five. If you leave now, Chicago, you can make it. Polls close at seven. You can make it and still vote." You know what he said? What did he, say? he said, have Jack f- vote for me. <laughs> He's right. He could easily have oh, voted yes. for him. They, ha- they have no voter ID. Like, do you live there, Mr. Schwartz? And it's 61. Yes, I do. I was totally on the honor system. 16 or 15 year old Jack Schwartz yeah. could have easily voted for Justin Schwartz. Uh, the, the only thing they had to look me up to see what district I was in. And so they, at the first place. So they needed the last three, uh, last four of my social, which no one else would have known, but that was only to find out where I was to get into the system. But I walked in. I didn't have to show them anything. I could have been anybody. That's a joke. I, I purposely make them take my registration card and my driver's license, even though they, but we don't need that. No, you just take it. But they said, but we do need to compare your signature. Well, I'm looking at my signature. <laughs> it must have been 18-year-old Jeff Schwartz's signature. Because it looks nothing like my signature now. So that's virtually a waste. And secondly, are these like handwriting analysis experts? I mean, are they, is anybody going to get turned around? Yeah, I mean, if anybody should have got turned or, turned away today because of their signature difference, it was me. Well, uh, I must say the, that the the poll workers are really nice. I love poll workers. Yeah, they're, they're very nice. I went up to, it was four precincts. I went to each and every one of them and thanked them for their service. Yeah, it's not, it's not. An easy job, really is not. I thought you were going to say that Justin said, Dad, I'm halfway home. No, that, yeah, that would have been good. That would have been good. But I don't know. I, I mean, I was tempted to let Jack go vote. 15-year-old Jack Schwartz <laughs> vote for 23-year-old Justin Schwartz. Could he pass for 23? No. Well, I don't know if they look at that. I think they'd be more concerned. Is he 18? I don't know. I don't, do you really think they look at your birth date and say, know. does he look like that? I just think, does that kid look like he's old enough to vote? 
could, could, could he make the signature look like Justin's? Could it be, well, could it, it, it be it, believable? That's, it's, did you not hear what I just said? It's, it, it's, it doesn't make a difference, Craig. I don't know. They, they took mine. I just put an X. put one paper on top of the other one and we're holding it up to the light. <laughs> I just, no, they weren't. No, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, teasing yeah, you. I'm yeah. teasing. <laughs> I, I just put an X. Yeah, an X. X. Make your mark. You made your mark. That's my signature. You know, before we get into email, coming off All Saints Sunday, by the way, probably my favorite Sunday of the church year, it got me thinking, do non-denominational churches observe All Saints Day or All Saints Sunday? I'm skeptical because their focus is on the victorious, abundant Christian life. I find it kind of hard to believe that they're going to observe all saints day or all saints sunday what do you think i i just don't think generally speaking death is going to be a subject that they broach unless they absolutely have to and then they're going to talk us a little about it to be fair the one big box church funeral that i've been to in recent memory the actual sermon part of it there was a lot of the celebration of life and the slideshow and the and and solos and things like that, a lot of schmaltz. But the actual sermon part of it did preach the resurrection of Christ. Well, what else was going to preach? There are a lot of things they could. Well, preach. I guess they, yeah, they could have said you know Joe's been a good guy and he's in the afterlife. I guess. And I think the reason was there wasn't a lot of positive things they could have said about the person because the person was not a great person. But um, if you don't talk about the resurrection at a funeral, I'm not talking funeral here. I right. mean, you, you got to get the resurrection at the funeral. But do you think non I don't know, maybe some of our listeners came from non-denominationalism, like give us a call, 877-623-MY-IE, 877-623-6943. I'm just thinking, All Saints Sunday ain't going to happen. No. If what it is about is your best life now or living up to your potential or your destiny or what, any of those kinds of things that have taken over pop Christianity's pulpit, then the saints who have gone before us really don't fit into that because they're dead. And it's hard to acknowledge, I guess you could kind of shoehorn it into that now they have their best life kind of a thing. But but it's it's victory. It's all victory. And you'd yes, have to talk about sin. Victory. You'd, you'd have, have to talk about <laughs> sin and why people die. I, that would be a great survey question, don't you think? A great survey question. Yeah. Why do people die? Just that, that is simple a great question. Barna survey question. Why do people die? Terry Mattingly's in with the Barna keep people. We'll just yeah. tell him. He knows all those guys. Tim, Missoula, Montana. While I enjoyed your recent interview with Molly Hemingway, I felt the general sense of the interview was Democrats bad, Republicans kind of good. Molly seemed to minimize the flaws of Republicans, not going into detail of deeply flawed Senate candidates like Herschel Walker. She appears to support those who seem to be in the election denier category as election reformers without critique or nuance. Molly is smart. Please ask her tough questions, concludes Tim in Montana. Well, we have limited time with Molly. She's a very busy woman and much in demand. So there are a certain number of questions. There are certain questions we have to ask her in this interview, in the limited time that we have. We have to ask about the issues. We have to talk what about- What are the top issues? The, the top voters. issues. We had to ask her about election integrity. She's probably done more research on election integrity, she and her husband, than anybody else in the media. She's done some serious research into election integrity, not just particulars, but it's history. And if you, if you look at her book, Rigged, it's mostly footnotes. 
you know, it's, it's a big book, but it's, there's a lot of footnotes in there. She's done some excellent research. So we have to ask her about that. We have to ask about what are the Senate races to watch, what are the gubernatorial races to watch. We have to talk about media analysis, media coverage. We have to get those questions out in 20 minutes. Right, because she's written a book about the media too. So we bring her on because she's an expert guest. And so we want to play into her expertise. And I would say just for myself that to talk about the alleged, we need to say alleged flaws of, say, a Herschel Walker would require her to speculate because nobody knows the truth of that. The only person who knows the truth of that is Herschel Walker himself. And he is denying his connection to paying for abortions. He's denying it. So if we asked her the question about that, she would, she would speculate. be speculate just yeah. like everybody else is. And so there, there, once you start speculating, then the, the entire value of someone's expertise goes out the door. Now, an expert could say, I'm going to speculate here, but it's mere speculation. By the way, Molly Hemingway's husband, Mark, of Real Clear Investigations, will be a guest tomorrow to do post-midterm election analysis. Good. Well, there's a lot of comments about our interview with Andrew Walker on Christian nationalism. This comes from Johan. It seems like the whole world is talking about Christian nationalism these days. I was disappointed that you chose to have a Baptist on to discuss the issue when there are so many Lutherans discussing it. Mark in New Mexico, this past week, you had a segment on Christian nationalism. This is a timely and valuable subject to address, certainly. I try to write this genuinely as a question, not as a criticism framed as a question. Why did you have a faculty member at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary as the guest to interview on this subject, rather than someone who shares our confession and could have addressed the subject sociologically and confessionally? One man who comes to mind is Reverend Dr. Jordan Cooper, who produced his own video addressing the subject. Thanks for the feedback, Mark and Johan. That's not out of the question. Now, the reason that we interviewed Andrew Walker was because he'd written something very recently about Christian nationalism. I was intrigued with his take on it, which was to openly admit that he has a lot of affinities for some of the positions of Christian nationalists. But what he did in his article, where was that article? Was it in the Federalist or? World Magazine. World Magazine. A serious publication. He posed a challenge to three different groups, to the Christian nationalists and to the people who are critical or maybe even fear-mongering about Christian nationalism, and then to Christians who are concerned about Christian nationalism. So he was trying to engage in a, a conversation about what the goals, the ideas of Christian nationalism are, why it troubles some people. And he'd written an excellent article. I was not aware until after we did the interview with, with uh, Andrew Walker that Jordan Cooper had done some treatment of Christian nationalism. So that's certainly not out of the question. But I would like you to be more specific in your criticism of Andrew Walker's of Andrew Walker. assessment and what, questions for Christian nationalism. What about him being a Baptist somehow changed the answers or restricted him in giving biblical and sound answers to questions about Christian nationalism? Because if you disagreed with his take on Christian nationalism, however you want to define it, we could get a prominent Southern Baptist like Vody Bauckham, who is a Christian, who is a Christian nationalist. Yeah. Was your criticism you didn't like what Andrew Walker had to say, or was it that he was a Southern Baptist? If we would ask the same questions to Vody Bauckham, would you have commented the same way? Just curious. Another thing I want to ask about is... 
we had another question about along the same lines about this Lutheran Kuyperian vision and Christian nationalism. So I'd never heard of this. This is what Abraham K U Y Kuiper. Yeah, Kuiper. I think some people pronounce it differently, but I would say Kuiper. So what I don't understand, and this is from another listener, that we should ha- have somebody on to talk about this. They, they criticize for having a Baptist on to talk about Christian nationalism, but they wanted to talk about Abraham Kuiper, right? Mm-hmm. Who's a 20th century neo-Calvinist, early 20th century neo-Calvinist. So if you got a problem with the non-Lutheran coming on, why are you trying to encourage us to resort to a 20th century, early 20th century neo-Calvinist? I need to look into it a little bit more, but I don't know that Lutheran theology has anything unique to offer a critique or a treatment of Christian nationalism. I mean, maybe the distinction between the two kingdoms would be helpful, but it strikes me that if you're a Christian nationalist, you would like to blur that distinction or somehow modify that distinction. If you're one of these guys who says, or girls, who says, well, you know, Luther probably would have been in favor of Christian nationalism. And if you look at Luther's view on civil authority, it sounds very Christian nationalist. Uh, But of course, (laughs) Luther was living in an entirely different time when uh, when it was, he was living in an almost uniformly Christian society where every person you met on the street, every prince you, who passed you in his carriage was at least ostensibly a Christian. He, Luther was not living in a religiously pluralistic society. Pluralism probably would have been literally only Christians and Jews. That would have been Christian pluralism in in Luther, and Luther obviously started with a very amenable view toward the Jews in society and ended his life, sadly, with a very negative view of the Jews in society, largely for theological reasons. But to make the, to say, well, we as Lutherans can somehow wind the clock back to 16th century Germany and have a relationship with the government that they had then is ahistorical. And it ignores the fact that not only do we not live with sovereign monarchs who are at least civilly accountable to the church, that would have been at the time the Pope, but also that we live in a society now that religiously is far more pluralistic than it was at the time. I just think it's ahistorical to say, well, you know, Luther thought that the prince should be a Christian and governed by Christian ideas and Christian theology And that's the way it should be today. Well, maybe it should be, but there's a difference between should and can. I think it's fair criticism. American Baptists historically have been strict separationists. So that's where somebody could say, why you got a Southern Baptist on? Because there's strict separationists between church and state. But Andrew Walker, Albert Moeller, they don't fit in that camp. I'm sorry. No. Gail, Des Moines, Iowa. I listened to Pastor Brian Wolfmiller's answer to questions about the age of the earth with interest, but was disappointed with part of Pastor Wolfmiller's answer. I totally agreed with his answer about God creating the world with the appearance of age to explain the light from distant stars reaching the earth, 
But it was what he didn't say that disappointed me. He seemed to concede to the idea that science consistently shows an old earth and universe and that we just have to take the Bible on faith even though it disagrees with science. Your listeners will be delighted to know that science actually supports a young earth and universe, even though there are a few things that have the appearance of age. I have three examples to demonstrate this, but it is only the tip of the iceberg. One, geology. Although evolutionists tell us that sedimentary layers take thousands and millions millions of years to lay down, science actually shows that sedimentary layers had laid down quickly and horizontally and that water catastrophes such as the Genesis flood are a better explanation for sedimentary layers than slow deposits. Two, solar system. The evolutionary model has all the solar system's objects forming about four and a half billion years ago. But if that were true, all of the smaller objects, such as Mercury, our moon, and other moons, should be long since cold and dead. Yet Mercury has a magnetic field. Our moon shows signs of recent geological activity. Three, cosmic microwave background radiation. But here's what current astronomers are saying about CMB. CMB observations are consistent with the general relativistic creationist models, which explain the current state of the universe within a creationist time frame. However, they are inconsistent with all Big Bang cosmologies. Science supports the Bible's account of creation and is not in conflict with it. My mother always said that it takes more blind faith to believe evolution than to believe creation, and she was right. Thanks for listening in Iowa, Gail. Well, first, excellent email. First to Pastor Wolf Miller, just a little to his defense. And you're right to say, look, he's a pastor, not a scientist. So he was giving the best answer he could, given the information that he has at, at hand. I agree with you that while science sometimes does not appear to support, I believe that in the resurrection, we're going to look back on the science and say, oh, we, we just misread the data. We misinterpreted the data, which happens a lot. It's kind of the engine upon which science runs, misinterpreting data and then getting either better data or better interpretations of the data. So I agree with you there. Uh, Pastor Wolf Miller, I don't think he had at hand all those things, and I'm glad you've added them there. And in his defense, I don't think he ever really conceded, well, science says one thing and the Bible says another, so you have to reject science. He He did not say that. He just said the appearance of. There are things that may appear to observation to be old that are not old. So, thanks for the info. After the break, we'll be teaching a Sunday school lesson with Pastor Tom Baker on the wise men worshiping the baby Jesus in Matthew chapter 2. Then we'll get a review of the Star Wars TV series Andor with Pastor Ted Geese. I'm Todd Wilkin. Stay tuned. Listen weekday afternoons to Pastor Todd Wilkin and guests on Issues Etc. Issues Etc. is a listener-supported program. Your financial support is vital for the continuation and expansion of this worldwide outreach. Our mailing address, Issues Etc., P.O. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. You can also donate at our website, issuesetc.org. Issues Etc., is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio. What is eternal life? How do you understand it? How do you imagine it? We're full of all sorts of ideas of what eternal life might be like. And yet, the scriptures are clear. 
Eternal life centers on Christ and him crucified for the sins of the world. The November issue of the Lutheran Witness explains some of these misconceptions about eternal life and what the scriptures say. So to learn more, pick up your copy of the November issue of the Lutheran Witness. Visit witness.lcms.org to learn more. The Lutheran Witness, teaching you to interpret the world from a Lutheran perspective. As we prepare for the Advent season this year, it's time for some contemplation. Your Christmas are from the 80s. They're made of styrofoam, the glitter has dropped off, and they're being held together with toothpicks. Don't celebrate another Christmas hearkening back to the age of glitter balls. See Ad Crusom's beautifully designed Christmonds together with our book describing how they fit into the church year. Visit adcrusom.com. That's A-D-C-R-U-C-E-M dot com.